This episode of Where Did It All Go Right is sponsored by Pearson. Pearson is the world's learning company, supporting talent and helping everyone to make progress in their lives through learning. Working with teachers and education experts, Pearson provides a wide range of qualification routes, so you can pick the course which suits you best to develop your creativity and stand out in the crowd. Visit them online at go.pearson.com forward slash where did it all go right. Hello, here we are again with the final episode of the season of Where Did It All Go Right? I'm Ali Jones and we've got another great guest who will tell you about the pivotal moments in her career. We hope to inspire and entertain you. Now, this week's guest is TV presenter and businesswoman Syra Khan. Syra appeared in The Apprentice in 2005 and since then has appeared on loads of different TV shows. You'll see her regularly on Loose Women and uh, you can read her column in The Sunday Mirror. We sat down in her house to talk about how she got to do the job she loves. Well, thank you so much for talking to me at your breakfast bar. We've done a lot of podcasts at tables, but I like the <laughs> breakfast bar scenario. Drinking, what are you drinking? I'm actually drinking my homemade masala chai. It's very so, healthy. Yeah, it's a healthy, but also, you know, I find people are really scared of spices, but they're really great for you. So I've got cinnamon in there, cardamom, star anise, some fennel and cloves. Ooh. Yeah, it's really warming and calming. Yeah, lovely. I can, I can waft it and <laughs> smell it. Um, so you did Loose Women this week. Yes. Uh, that was on Monday, I think I saw a bit of that. Yeah. And uh, I was, because this is a non-Loose Women day, so I was wondering on a Loose Women day, what your day is like. Do you get there pretty early? Because you're on air at lunchtime, but there's a lot of prep involved, I imagine. Yeah, there is. So um, I... I normally leave my home here at 6.30 in the morning um, and then I catch the train in um, and then our, we have to go into a pre-meeting so the girls get together and we're there with the production team and we, we don't really discuss exactly what we're going to say, what they those meetings are for us to say, well these are some of the topics that we, we're going to discuss, what are your thoughts? So we kind of share our thoughts, um, that meeting probably lasts about two hours. Uh, and then it's hair and makeup, uh, which is the nice part. Uh, <laughs> and I guess that's a good time for you to get your thoughts together as well. Yeah. You could, or do you just like chatting with you? <laughs> well, we have, I mean, gossip is a big part of being on Loose Women. So that is, it's like therapy, you know. So we do absolutely gossip the whole way through. And sometimes if we have to read a brief because we don't know about the topic, mm. we'll use that time to catch up. But mainly... You know, it's it's. How was your weekend? How was your weekend? Oh, did you hear about? You know, um, it's all that, um, and it's just a, it is actually a genuinely lovely, empowering atmosphere. Mm. Um, I I just love being on the show, and it is a great it's a great platform to have an opinion on what's going on in the world and people's daily life. So mm. I think that's it's an important kind of um, show to have. It's it's fantastic that you can sit around with a bunch of friends, have a cuppa, and get paid for it. Yeah. It's a dream, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is a dream. And <laughs> and also, what's really, I th- what I really love is that all of us come from different backgrounds, with different ages, different life experiences, and we don't all share the same opinion. And that, But we can still have a bit of a ding-dong, mm-hmm. but walk away as adults and still respect each other yeah. for our opinions. Um, I always feel that, you know, there are many times where I walk away and think, 
I've just learned something there. Mm. I was so set in my ways, but actually that makes sense what they've just said. Mm. So I think that is a real positive side of women that you don't see. People think we're, you know, we're just all really bitchy. They want that works for their narrative to sell stories, but genuinely we're strong-minded women mm. with opinions, but we walk away respecting each other. So you say you come from all sorts of backgrounds. Mm. So I'm interested in in where you came from in your journey to get to sitting on that on that TV yeah. on, a, on a Monday lunchtime because we all know about The Apprentice but pre The Apprentice your background was was in sales and yeah. then when going way back to sort of school did you ever have a dream to be on the telly or is that something that's, that's come from everything else that came after so all the sales and the uh, and the other jobs you know it's interesting because I come from really humble beginnings you know I I my family grew up in a very white working class Midlands town um, and it was very very humbling but what my parents gave me and especially my father was just this big ingrained discipline about having personally personal high standards and in it that really I mean it was a real drilling to be the best that you can be and that's what's really always kind of directed me in my life I've never thought of myself as an attractive woman or a good-looking woman. You know, um, those sort of those sort of superficial things were never part of my journey. I never thought oh, I'm going to be on the telly. I didn't know what I was going to do. There were quite a lot of obstacles put in my way. I come from, you know, an Asian culture um, and quite a restrictive religion. You know, it's not always female friendly. So I did have to overcome things like well, you're a girl and you can't say that, you can't wear that, you can't sit like that, you can't eat like that, you can't enter that room because men are in there, men get served first. And, you know, and that narrative and that kind of daily um, observations, that had an impact on me because I felt, but I'm a human being, from a very young age this was, I just thought, but I'm a human being and I'm I'm equal to you. So why are you treating me in a different way? And that it was it was a real sense of justice. It's like this is not fair. Mm. Just because I'm a girl, it doesn't mean that you have to treat me as a second class citizen. And you know, I didn't I saw that in my community, but that's the community that I grew up in. I didn't realise that actually some of my white friends were probably going through exactly the same thing. And I just thought, oh, it's just Asian people. Um, but I never I I've never had a plan for my life. Um, I'm actually quite a free spirit and I just took opportunities. And you can't plan opportunities in life. Mm. Um, but I think what's always kept me kind of driven is this drive to be the best that I can and that's something that was drilled into me by my parents from a young age. But what's interesting is that you said that you didn't have a huge amount of self-esteem in terms of how you looked mm. and but you obviously felt that very strong in other ways you know this isn't right I'm going to do this and whether that was uh, drilled down from from your parents but you've still got to have a, some, a lot of self-confidence haven't you to to push on and think I'm better than this and I can move on. Well it's a really good observation that because it was my dad weirdly that would make me fight so he would say something, for example, I, I don't know, like girls, oh, girls can't do that. But he would say that so that I, he would get a reaction from me. And actually, 
um, I look back on my life now and I think that's what he wanted me to do was to be strong and not afraid to speak up. Mm. And that was quite unusual because, um, you know, Asian fathers didn't really do that for their daughters you know when I was going to university his life dream was always for his kids to go to university but we would have members of the community come out and say but you why are you letting your daughter go to university once she's educated nobody's going to want to marry her nobody wants to marry an independent you know smart woman at the end of the day all she's going to do is have babies and cook so what's the point of educating her and he would sort of you know recite those sort of messages and that really stirred you and up. it stirred me up <laughs> but it, what he was trying to do was to put in that foundation of have an opinion and fight for your rights um, and he was my dad was a real feminist I didn't really see that until you know I was a lot older but it was that training of would speak up then if you've got something to say defend yourself and he made me do that in a safe environment because my parents weren't going to disown me but that was the training that I had so I, I look he never ever told me that's what he was doing but I look back now and I think I understand what why you were doing that yeah. it would infuriate me though and it did I think it did have consequences on our relationship but as I got older and I was fulfilling my potential actually our relationship got a lot better because because he was sort of in an indirect way saying that's why I was doing all that yeah. stuff so that you can go out and you know and, and be you must be very grateful for, for that even though it drove you mad sometimes yeah grateful now looking back but very hard to mm. undergo that kind of pretty strict it was like training, you know. It's quite hard when you're a kid. You just want your mum and dad to say, "I love you," put their arms around you, and get on with it. But and watch I top of the pops. Watch top of the pops, and that was the other thing. It was really disciplined. I couldn't watch Coronation Street. Couldn't watch Grey and Chill. Couldn't watch this because it was. My dad was like, "That's not why I left my country. Mm. I want you to be educated and to live on the right side of life. All this other stuff is just distraction." But you've got to have a bit of both, really. So you got educated. Yeah. You went to uni. What did you study? I studied humanities, and then I did a master's in environmental planning at Nottingham University. So after that, yeah. I've spoken to guests before when you kind of graduate, and you're like, okay, what yeah. am I going to do now? So you want, you got into sales? Well, no, I didn't, actually. Um, what people don't realise <clears throat> is that the environmental planning degree uh, took me down to Brighton, and I was a town planner. So I spent eight years um, working in the private sector, helping people get planning permissions or overturning, uh, you know, helping them to win appeals. And I'd studied quite a lot of planning law as well. So for eight years, I did that. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. But I, you know, being ambitious and driven, but also because I didn't come from a financially sound background in terms of my parents didn't have anything, I had to always think, there's no one to look after me mm. I've got to make money and it, it didn't it paid okay but I could quite easily see this is an old men's club here and I can't see any women progressing I can't see women in the kind of partnership schemes I've got to do something about it and that's when actually my friend uh, who was working in sales said listen there's a job going do you fancy applying for it um, 
And I was living in Brighton at the time, but the job was in Slough. So I said, yeah, no, I'll just go for it. It's better money. Um, and I had to just keep getting jobs that were a bit more so every year. trying to just sort of climb. That's exactly what I did. Yeah. Just climb, climb. And also, that's where the confidence came. Because I've got no... I didn't even know what sales was about. <laughs> so I just went, yeah, I'll just do it, you know. And that was fine. And I got that job. Um, but did you find, if you didn't know what it was at the time, thinking, oh, I've got no idea what I'm doing. What am I doing? I'm terrified. You weren't ever scared? I think by that point, because I'd done so many things for the first time and I was okay I got it just became a habit it's like well what are you scared of the the worst they're going to say no you can't have the job but just go for it do you see that's my Mm. mindset Mm, mm. it's it's kind of like I always think what's the worst that is going to happen you're not going to get the job is that the worst thing in the world no it's not you just try and get another one and that positivity that positive mindset is something that my dad gave me from a young child. Um, but yeah, and I got that and then I was in sales and I loved it because it really then suited who I am well, as I a person. Well, I can see talking to you now, you know, you're, you've got that, if you'd come into, say, my house and then you start talking, yeah. you're, like, you're like, okay, I think I might like this. But <laughs> yeah. you've, come, you've got that sort of sales pattern. I don't want to say yeah. sales pattern, yeah, yeah, but do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. so uh, you've got to be personable, haven't you? And you've got to get on with people and infuse them and yeah and so you must have loved as well because you were you were climbing in a way you loved that whole I've got I've got a sale did you give you a buzz it's a bit like television isn't it it's that kind of adrenaline it is it is and but what people don't realize is that when you work for a really good company they will put you on a personal development program not a sales training program it's a personal development program so that's what changed my life so I had kind of you know people's I remember one of my mentors saying, I remember seeing you thinking she's a rough diamond. I said, what does that mean? He said, well, you were all over the place. I could see you were, you know, you were, if, if I could channel you in the right direction, I know I was going to make money out of you. So what the personal development program did was really connect with an understanding and self-awareness of who I am. And that development program was always trying to see from another person's point of view, what 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 they saw of you Mm. so you have to kind of take yourself outside of your body sort of thing and think well what is that person seeing and is that person buying into me so it was really looking at language it was looking at body um body language it was thinking about your emotions a lot of it was about asking questions um and that was really the turning point of how I then used a un- real understanding of me to then get on with a whole host of people. Because in sales, you've got to be so flexible and adaptable. You are going to meet some people that you just don't like. Mm. But it's not an emotional connection. It's a business transaction. So you have to adapt to make that person like you to get the sale. And I bet you use all the stuff that you learned then, even now, when 100%. you're trying to get a new job in the media, in television, or in, in writing, or whatever you're doing. Would you agree? 100%. And it was that training that um, helped me to do so well in The Apprentice. And it's that training that even to this day, will, well, you know, I used to look at Loose Women thinking, I want to be on that show one day. I mean, that, that show's made for me. I mean, I've got an opinion. I should be sitting on that show. <laughs> and it's really weird how 
how actually if you have an objective and a goal and you are self-aware how you can make those dreams come true and I know people there are so many people who feel they need a lucky break but I say it's the opportunities you have to take but you have to make sacrifices and it's not easy Mm -hmm. but you can do it Mm. I'm interested about The Apprentice because you mentioned yeah that looking back on that now do you ever think I'm really glad I did it but I'm really glad I didn't win it Mm. because it it, because if you'd won it you'd have been sort of channeling down a different path but it kind of gave you the exposure but it also opened doors other doors for you other tv doors yeah I think it was funny you know I just come I was 32 years old I think people don't think people think I was in my 20s I was 32 years old my husband and I were planning our wedding and I'd just come back six months earlier from um, a year's travel. So I'd gone backpacking on my own around 15 countries in 12 months. You weren't married at that stage. No, no, I wasn't married. So my Not husband and I, we, we were just, we were, it was a bit like, we weren't, we were together, we weren't together. And I just said, look, I'm going to go off for a year. Absence makes the heart grow fond. You do what you've got to do. And if we're still together when we get back, let's, you know, let's make it a bit more permanent. So it worked out quite well. <laughs> so, yeah. And then I remember coming back from traveling, sitting at work, and it was again another sales job. Um, so I was selling advertising space, and an email just landed on my um, laptop saying the BBC are looking for candidates for a new show, just apply. So I just applied. But also, you've been travelling, and sometimes that sort of it gave me absolutely, absolutely, you know, yeah. and um, and so you know, six thousand people applied, and I got down to the last fourteen. But it did it it again, you know. I just I I was intimidated by a lot of people there. There were a lot of people who'd gone to private schools. They were, you know, driving. I remember one guy, uh, James, I mean, he's a lovely guy, really good friend of mine now, but, you know, he was driving an Aston Martin. One was this Tory candidate for something. One lady had her own business. And, you know, there's little old me just come back from travelling thinking, okay. And it is intimidating when you... I went to a comprehensive school. Dad had £10 in his pocket when he came here. I've done everything by myself. And you're just thinking, how am I going to cope with that? But to get through the first bit, you probably thought, well, I must have quite a good chance because I got through to this stage. So that gives you a little bit more confidence. That's right. Yeah. Um, and again, it was all that self-awareness, that sort of, you know, you've got to have a story. And I remember that one of the production ladies saying, well, why should you be on the show? And I said, well, you're not going to get very many Asian women who've just, you know, at 32, have just said, I've just travelled solo around the world by myself. And they looked at me and went, you're right, you're the first person that said that. So next stage, you know, in itself, they're like, oh. And, and you also have to understand, I understand this is TV I'm going in for. So you have to adapt your language. Yeah. You have to go, what are they looking for? And I knew that even as an Asian person, I would be different. I would stand out like a sore thumb. So you've got a good chance. Because it's not, you know, diversity in TV. It's just not a big thing. So, mm-hmm. so those sort of things you, you play do, to your advantage. Play to your advantage, yeah. and you have to yeah. make the most of it. You know, yeah. um, looking back, because it's got a, a bit of a reputation now. The Apprentice of, of a lot of people. But I think more recently on the series, it's sort of a bit cocky, a bit arrogant. Do I want to be their friend? Do you ever regret being associated with it, or do you think no, it absolutely changed the way that my career went? 
Oh, I, I, it changed my life. It didn't change my career. It changed my life. For me, it was the best experience. I'll look back on life when I'm a little granny and go, that was definitely a very defining moment in my life. It gave me the confidence that I think personally I was looking for in myself. Like, am I as good as other people who have had a lot more in life and been given a bit of a silver spoon? Well, yes, I am. And also, I think... That first series, there was nothing before it. We were a lot older and it was a diverse group of people. And what was fascinating was that on The Apprentice, when you're given a level playing field, the two winners was an Asian Muslim woman and a young black guy who'd been brought up by a single mother. So two ethnic minority winners of a really big primetime show on the BBC, never heard of before. And I think that was the opportunity. And all of a sudden, for the first time on telly, people had seen an Asian woman do what I do. I mean, I saw it all the time. My mum's, she used to go to work in a factory in a shalwar kameez, and people used to shout at her, and she'd shout back, and she'd come home, and she'd cook, and she was the boss of our house. And I'm thinking, these people think we're all oppressed. They just think all we do is, like, have long hair, you know, we're never seen and never heard, and that that's that's their stereotype of us. So I broke a stereotype. And what was very important for me was that once I got that opportunity, I wanted to keep breaking the stereotype. Did it scare you though? Because you were for probably a, a wider audience had seen you, and you were quite, you know, you're quite opinionated. Yeah. And I, I'm, I don't even think Twitter was around then. No, it wasn't. Thank heavens, <laughs> would have been vilified. <laughs> But you would have probably got feedback on, yeah. on what you're doing and who you are and, and even maybe people from your community. So did that ever worry you that people were criticising you at that stage or did you think, did it spur you on to even open more doors? I've, I've been criticised all my life. So as I said to you, those early days of women can't do this, you, you kind of grow a backbone. But then mm. when you do something like the media, it opens criticism out to a whole new level I mean you know being called the mouth of the south and you know the woman that you all hate to whatever and and what I find what I found fascinating was here we go again if that was a man having opinions and being strong and assertive and decisive you'd be given a pat on the back but people don't like to see women like that and in women in business Women have to be like that. Mm, mm. You have to be decisive. You have to be assertive. You have to make tough decisions, just like men do, you know, and, you know, and you have to have a voice. So I think really the criticism was more about, we don't really see women like this, uh, rather than like personally. But I did take those criticisms personally. And and to be honest, those criticisms never die down. Mm. You just, again, have to have that personal development and look around you and go... This is my family. This is real life. These are the people that love me and adore me and always have done. I don't know these people. They've got a job to do. Fine. Yeah. And 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 the thing was, I think with the media business, I under started to understand the industry. And somebody said to me once, "Look, you're new to this. You don't come from a TV background, but no PR is bad PR." And I thought, actually, that's not that's that's hard to understand and it's hard to accept. But I get it. But also, you. What's interesting because you've uh, got a sales background and you 
I'm sure you've worked with brands and all that. You've almost branded yourself as a uh, somebody who takes no rubbish. Yeah. And uh, that's that's your sort of on-screen personality, and that you've made a real thing of that with with loose women. You're the you know well you've all got opinions, but yeah. you, you particularly have got you yeah know, lots of opinions. And, yeah. And with your column as well. Um, and so I love the fact that you've used that to your advantage. But uh, I was interested after The Apprentice. So you probably think you, you launched your own skincare range, but then you wanted to work in television more. So how did you then get that going? Did you get an agent straight away? Um, well, no, again, I had no idea about agents. I mean, I don't come from this world. And, and things just happen. Again, people see you, they advise you, they recommend people. So the journey in TV is just like any journey. You just have to take the opportunity. Some things work, some don't. You have to make decisions. So I'm now with an amazing agent who understands me. Um, But having an opinion, like I said, it goes back to those days where if I didn't have an opinion, my life would have been very different. I probably would have ended up being in an arranged marriage or not marrying at all because I didn't want to marry what that community or what my who my parents wanted me mm. to so I had to have an opinion mm. um and I do find it's quite interesting that in this day and age a lot of people are scared to have an opinion whether it's good or bad because they're scared of what people say I've grown up I've grown up listening to what people say and really the conclusion that I came to is unless I respect you and unless you have a direct influence on my life I don't care what you think. This is my opinion. Mm. You know, and I'm really open to having my opinion changed because if I think, you know what, that's a really interesting point. But I know so many women who are strong and have so much potential, they're so scared to really say what they how they feel. Mm. And I find that quite I find that shocking, but I would not be able to have lived my life if I didn't have an opinion or have something to say about, I'm not happy with this. I don't want to do that. You're making me feel like that. Do you see what I mean? And it hasn't always ended in my favour. Sometimes I've had to walk out of a job because I could see that these people weren't, that it wasn't the same Mm. values. Mm. So it doesn't always get you in the right thing. But what was important to me was that I felt good about myself and that I wasn't going to an environment that was causing me more pain and mental distress so every tv job that you sort of took after the apprentice because yes. it was um i did the kids programs for yeah, ages yeah. on the on cbbc i love doing that yeah yeah and that's a great start because a lot of people haven't got a huge amount of tv experience that starting children's that's telly right. so that that was a really and it's not so so powerful as something like like loose women where you've got adults watching and having that's an opinion right. yeah so Probably less opinionated in that. Yes, it was brilliant. It was that was more about experience and sort of yeah. you know some people say, well, you've got business experience. We know you from The Apprentice. What about teaching kids? You know, uh, imparting your knowledge on that. And I loved working with those kids. And again, entrepreneurship is what is going to make our country great. It's not about manufacturing. It's not about nine to five. It's about people having an idea and having those skills to make their idea grow and sustain their quality of life mm. and, and and create opportunities for themselves and others. So that was really important. And again, you know, for me, it was really disappointing when after so many years, they decided to stop it. And it's kind of like, no, that's not the right thing to do because young people need 
to be inspired at that age about having an idea and watching other kids have a go. Mm. So, you know, budgets, you know, it's always about a budget. But, you know, it's interesting that you, I love the fact that you... You, with your children you're very I was reading one of your columns a couple of well, weeks ago it was like you know you, you, you say to your children right you do part run uh, yes. every Saturday morning you're doing it yes um, and so you've almost brought from what your father was saying to you, you that you must instill a bit of that into your into your kids I, and... I do but I do it in a very different way to my father my father used to say you're doing it and that was it there, there was no conversation after that with my children I say I'd like you to do it, and this is the reason why. Right. There's a big difference, and I'd, I'd like you to have a go. When my kids say, oh, no, I don't want to do it, whether it's food, whether it's trying something new, I just say to them, I want you to try it, and if you don't like it, then that's fine, but you've got to try it. You know, that's, if there's an opportunity there, have a go. And I think that's really important. And I all what I'm doing to my kids, which you don't... You know, this is the part of my life people don't see behind closed doors. I don't share this on social media, but I talk to my children so much. I talk to them about the way I was brought up. I talk to them about how lucky they are that I even talk to them <laughs> to, to that extent. We're, we're a generation of people. Our, our parents. Well, well, no, but our generation, our parents didn't talk to us. They didn't, my parents were just like, do this, do that, I haven't got time to speak to you because we're too busy. And, you know, I just said, you know, this is really important and my husband is the same, so I married him, we've got those values. Is I say to them, you know, I want you to be really happy in life, but these are the building blocks so that if anything happens, you've got that strength and that um, kind of strength of character to be able to overcome things if I'm not there or if daddy isn't there mm. and 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 I and they get it they are they do get it because the article that you wrote you were trying to get your daughter to do part run and she wasn't very keen about oh that it, was hilarious <laughs> yeah but it worked then you said I'd like you to do it I'd like to give it a go and she did it and she did it and you know what every Saturday morning it's a struggle and the amount of coaching I've got to do you'll feel really good about yourself tomorrow don't worry we'll walk it you know last week you did 32 minutes do you think we could do 31 I'm exhausted by the time I've even got to the start line it's just like coaching but she's getting it and actually now that she's got an older brother who's actually doing his personal best she's now in competition Ah, with him you see yeah sales technique yeah 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 it's working exactly (laughs) but you know she is a different child and as a parent not once you know one solution doesn't fit all and I'm always I've got to always remember that you know parenting is a skill that you have to learn and just because he's motivated and driven you know she's not always motivated in the same way so it's quite interesting which I'm learning from them a lot and also you made a tv show about a documentary about the 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 adoption and you know it's interesting you've done so much different stuff you talk about kids Mm. tv the apprentice which is reality tv Documentaries and and the, the, using your knowledge with with Martin Lewis in, in the yeah, money programs that you did. Yeah, I love working with Martin. So, do you like variety? Do you like uh, if somebody gave you a, a, a TV show that you were like, I'm out of my comfort zone? But it sounds to me like when you're in, in the sales, I don't know, go and do a wildlife documentary. Would you do it? Yes, I would. And this is what with this industry and this um, sort of you know amazing experience that I have working with people in the media with these creative talents i i come to the, i came to the conclusion quite a while ago that i'm going to use this platform to do all the things in my life that i've only ever dreamed of so one of the great things that i did um was do a, a 
channel, uh, do a wildlife show called, well, they focused on um, extinct species that were very close to extinction. I think it was called Planet Earth, and it was with David Attenborough. So I was sent to Sri Lanka to look at the plight of the turtles. And so, you know, thank you very much for asking me. Amazing opportunity. I'm going to be in Sri Lanka. Fabulous. And it was it was phenomenal. Um, and I think what's been really lovely about all these shows is they just want me to be me. Mm. They know I'm not a presenter, but they know they're going to get an opinion, and they're going to get me to do something that I'll go... Yeah, I'll have a go at that. You want, you want me to swim in the water? To, no worries, I'll do that. So I think they know they'll get their money's worth but in terms of creating some kind of drama. <laughs> but you also, um, you have a, you, you, a real willingness to want to learn. Yes. Um, because you could go and do that and go, well, I don't know anything about it. Could somebody just tell me a bit of information? But yeah. I think to keep in television, to keep that longevity, you've got to... You've got to work hard and you've got to, you know, you say you've got your your, your two-hour loose women meetings. You've got to really be engaged yeah. in the news. You've got to prep, prep, prep. That's really important, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, prep, prepping is, re- is really important. But again, you know, life's lessons, what they've taught me is there is no such thing as a free lunch. You know, a lot of people may make their job look very easy, but they've put a lot of prep and a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of research into making it look easy and a lot of practice. Mm. Um, so the great thing about where the way that I've come into TV is that I am known as a reality person. Like I came from a, a good reality show. The Apprentices was respected then. Um, so people take you sort of seriously and they can see that, you know, you've, you've, you can string a sentence along. Yeah. So you get given great opportunities. Some opportunities, I just say, no, thank you. This stage in my life, I've got two children. It's not just about me now. It's about my husband. He's got his own business. So you have to think about the overall effects. But on the on the whole, Dancing on Ice, for example, my kids wanted me to do that because <laughs> they wanted to go and meet Phil and Holly and watch me fall flat on my face and have a bit of a laugh. But you see, for that, if dancing is kind of safe. I can understand why people would do that. Oh, nice. I've seen, like, Kay Burney landed on her head. Head, I know. So, but, so, okay, your kids wanted you to do it, but did you not think, well, actually, I'm slightly terrified? But again, you see, I don't think like that. I just go, okay, they've never done that before. I don't think I'm going to be very good, as I demonstrated on the very first series. But I can only get better, but I also know that I've got a core strength, because I'm fit, Mm. um, and I, I know what I'm capable of, and I know that if I put my mind to something and I've got a good teacher, I will give it a go. And again... I think that show people respect you for having a go. They know it's really hard. So yeah, as we all cling on to the side yeah. of the ice cream. But, but you, by the end of it, I could I could, could skate. So that's a great thing, you know. Learning to skate at forty nine, I just think yeah, another tick, another story for the grandkids. But it, it doesn't li- it doesn't keep you awake at night. You don't lie in bed at five o'clock in the morning worrying. You don't strike me as a worrier. I'm then. not a worrier. No. no, my husband is a real thinker, and it's interesting because. I think I look at him and his family and they worry a lot and I think what are you what were we worried about sorry I don't get I don't get worrying is that is that I honestly I don't understand why people worry isn't that just, just don't, I'm never worried about anything in my life. You see, for people who do worry a lot, they'll be just looking at you going, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. You, I don't do worry. Don't. So does he, did he worry about you falling on your head? My husband worries about me all the time. <laughs> and I just go, well, listen, I can't stop. I can't change who you are. So it's your choice to worry. I'm, I remember, you know, I had to go to Pakistan on my own and adopt a baby who I'd never seen before. 
and you know take her and just look after her and I remember at the time so many people wrote to me going that is the bravest thing I've see, ever seen anyone do and I'm literally going why do they think that's brave I don't get it I just think and I had so to it do was it something that you wanted totally it? wanted to had to do mm. to complete my family mm. and I just yeah I don't I don't see you myself just, as brave I'm like I've just got to do it and you know when you're a mother your, your your instinct I'm very in tune with my instinct I've got to get through it just do it mm, mm. <laughs> just be brave it's, <laughs> I think it's inbuilt I think, I think we'll go back to your father again isn't yeah it, it is it's, it's all that foundation yeah, it is and also watching my mum <clears throat> growing up in the 70s she was so different we lived in a white community not an Asian community there wasn't an Asian person in sight she was so different, wore different clothes, had bangles on, bright clothes, didn't speak English, you know. And to be able to, you know, live your life being so different and people remarking about your difference, that takes a lot of strength of character. Mm. And when you're a little kid holding on to the pram and people are shouting abuse at you, you just think, and your mum doesn't even flinch. You just, you, that you just observe that and it just becomes a part of you sure what do they think your whole family about being on tv every week on a massive show on itv and, and everything that you've done yeah they they're, they're they're happy and they're they're proud but again i don't come from a family that say we're really proud of you there's no there's no kind of parties or well done you've mm-hmm. done this you've mm-hmm. done that i mean my mum is so grounded that I'll say, oh, did you watch that? And she'll say, oh, were you on? Were you on? I didn't realise. You know, I've taken to Buckingham Palace and she doesn't flinch. It's, it doesn't mean anything to her. She doesn't, she's not, she's not um, dazzled by stardom and celebrity. And to be honest, I'm not. I, I mean, I will go to the school run like this, no makeup on, hat on. And, and sometimes Steve says, you do know people are recognised you. I'm like, oh yeah, oh God, I better put a bit of lippy on. Because I forget that I'm on the telly. For me, it's just a job. Sure. You know. And, and what about the column? Do, do family read the column? And what, what do they think of that? Yeah, I mean, again, my family just go, it's her job. And they, they know that I'm, you know, opinionated. And they know that I'm going to say something that they don't all agree with. You know, we're very different as a family. Mm. But they respect me, and the fact that I've got a column in the Sunday Mirror, they, they like it. And I do use that column as a platform to um, to really talk about diversity. I really choose who I'm going to have as my main picture. Um, and I want it to be very inclusive. So last week I had somebody who was uh, disabled on there. I always try and have a person of colour as a main. Mm. I try and pick stories that people you know, that's affecting their lives. So my lead um, this week, actually, is interesting. It's going to be about the fact that Katy Perry has been made an ambassador of the British Asian Trust. I just saw that trending as I came in, but I didn't have time to and read you just about think, it. You just think, okay, this isn't about racism or anything, but could the British Asian Trust not find anybody that's British Asian to become an ambassador? I mean, what that, to me, I just think, that's branding gone all wrong, hasn't it? You're going to go over your word limit, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much to talk about. Yeah, I am. And then there's another little piece that somebody wrote to me about a lady, a mother, whose daughters, Muslim daughters, wanted to take part in sport, um, but they have, they, but their head coverings were, their hijabs weren't, you know, practical. So the mother sewed them these headscarves that that would absorb, 
you know, moisture, wick it away and all that. And she's made that for all of her daughters. And I thought that's actually a really lovely story because you don't see many Asian girls doing sport. And if if a hijab is going to stop them from, you know, recognising their potential, that shouldn't be the case. So yeah. that's a really positive story. So how did you get that column? Was that after being on Loose Women? Yes. Uh, call to the agent? Yes. She's opinionated. How well, does she feel about writing well, I, about that? Well, yeah, I, and I think also, you know, in the media people now really are taking diversity seriously because, you know, my life story growing up in Britain is very different to most people's. You know, I'm still a minority. Um, I'm seeing myself as British, but I can give you an insight into a culture in this country that is very closed, but also um, people don't know about. Mm. So it's an interesting story. So my take on things is different. And also... I see the world in a very different different way to most people because of my diversity, because of my background, because of the religious upbringing that I've had and my parents' story. It, I think people are looking for different opinions mm. um, but still kind of resonate with, with the mainstream. And I think that's a really... I think find that a really privileged position to be in, yeah. that I'm a British, Asian, Muslim woman... And people go, oh my God, I didn't know that. I mean, one of my leads a few weeks ago was about FGM. Now, it was only till very recently that we had no idea that young girls are being taken away. Every one in 10, you know, is taken away and being cut. And that's happening in this country. Mm. Now, most white middle-class women wouldn't write about that story because it's not happening in their communities. Mm. So it's it's I think it's the diversity aspect of it getting that, they, that voice out getting that voice yeah. out and bringing something new to the table and that's what business does business doesn't look a, a, around ethnicity and stuff it looks about performance and bringing a different story and a different narrative to a business that can give people you know uh, something else to buy into and when you went for your audition I imagine it was an audition for loose women did you think I could, this is my chance to bring a voice that isn't often heard on, on primetime TV. Did you have to talk about various things and you thought, right, I'm going to really use this as a platform? Yeah, I, I think, I remember the interview, it wasn't even an interview, it was just a chat, I think they'd already made up their okay. mind. Um, I thought there'd be some terrifying, no. like you're sitting at a desk, here are some newspapers and you've got no, to No, it was, but they, talk, they took me out to a really nice lunch and they said, look, we'd really like to try you out. Um, and I and I know exactly why I was being tried out because again I represent, you know I represent diversity um, and I think one of the thing about loose women for a long time was it was just full of one type of community and so as soon as you have that you're alienating a lot of people um, so they had to in order to grow your audience you have to represent your community. So the only way to do that is have a representative panel. Mm. And I think I'm, I'm so proud of that programme to take that risk. Um, and it's not a risk now because their audience figures are growing and we're growing as a, as a, as a programme year in and year out. We've got, you know, a real diverse uh, set of women. You know, we've got Chizzy, uh, not she's used to being a hobby. She's not on there that often now, but we've got a, an amazing black lady called Judy Love, who's a comedian. We've got Brenda Edwards, who stars in, you know, the West End in loads of musicals. Um, so 
yeah, it's it's it's, it's great. But the but the interview process wasn't that hard. It was quite easy. <laughs> it was out to lunch. It, yeah, it was out to lunch. I was like, wow, this is great. As it carries on like this, and now I'm going to just have my hair and makeup done. <laughs> yes, super. And a wardrobe. It's fabulous. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know recently you've you've got this new role with the UN. That must make you feel yes. Be proud. What what exactly is that? So that is an advocate program whereby you um, sign up for a year to really highlight some of their projects that they're doing. So the project this year is all about highlighting a violence against women um, and it's, I think they're focusing, yes, definitely on FGM mm. and how by 2030 they want to make sure that practice is stopped throughout the world. Um, big ambition, but I think they can absolutely do it. And they've picked, I think, 12 women who who not necessarily are celebrities, but they know that they've done things for so not even women's rights, but stood up for their beliefs as a woman mm. um, and gone on and done their own thing. So... So Gina Miller, for example, the lady who stopped upskirting, she's one of the advocates. So that's a really lovely platform to have and to be recognised and be taken seriously. So yeah, that was that was wonderful to be asked. So if you look back now and at the time when your dad was saying what he yeah. was saying to you and in, in the way that he was saying it, <laughs> you can't ever believe that you ever would ever be like a, a UN advocate or you'd be on a primetime TV no. show. It's it's been incredible, really. And I suppose if we look back at those those pivotal moments I mean you've, you've talked about your dad being a massive mm. influence but also going on The Apprentice and but meeting and making that sales pitch that you did in you went on that course but it yeah. then just led to that's how you go about pitching for all your different jobs that you do now would yes. you agree? Yeah absolutely and they're just personal standards um, it's like turning up for, on time always giving people your ideas um, you know taking feedback giving feedback, um, making sure that, you know, you are, you stand out in a crowd. And that could be from the way that you look, from the way that you are listening to somebody, from the clothes that you're wearing. It's, it's that attention it's to touches, detail. Yeah. It's attention to detail, but it is about having personal standards. And do you know what was really interesting was um, I'm trying to get my kids to make their beds up before they go to school. I've, I haven't even started that. Yeah, good, like, well yeah, done. yeah, yeah. I, and, it's and, about the right age, isn't it? Yeah, it's the right age. And it's like, I haven't got time. I'm busy mum. I'm not going to like... I don't want to be wasting my time doing your beds. That's not fair, mm. you know, because I've got a job to do. If I, if all my job, if I didn't have a job and my job was to be a housewife, which is absolutely fine, then I won't be moaning about it. But that's not my job. So, um, you know, it, it is how are you doing the sales pitch? Then are you uh, sort of saying to them, not like your dad, you're doing it. You're saying, well, <laughs> yes. Well, the thing, first thing is, is you have to practice what you preach. And I've been making my bed since I was 11 years old. There's no doubt about that. Um, and then again, you know, when they come into my room, they always see it's nice and tidy. Um, so. What was that? Yeah, so anyway, I'm trying to help them. And they're getting... I mean, Zach is brilliant now. So I posted up a picture. I, I said, oh, I went into my daughter's room and this is what it looks like. A complete tip. Oh, I went into my son's room. Oh, he's been listening, so he's going to get a treat tonight. Um, and it really makes me... It just... There's something as a parent when they do what you tell them to do and they do it off their own mm. back. And you so think, oh, it's, it's working. And it's that instilling that... Uh, you were saying little things so you know making a difference it does those sort of you know instilling that in them yeah and it's you know the way that my mind works and the way that I've been trained you know I've been a salesperson I used to be salesperson in my car 
my boss used to say to me, as soon as somebody sits in your car, they will have an impression of your work. Is your car beautiful? Don't go. It's in my actually car. not now at the moment, but I do have it validated once a week. But but you know, but it's that you you just think you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. If I my car was an absolute wrappers, you know, and my boss is coming out, that just shows no respect. It does. Anyway, so Amara, I sort of. I, sort of she came back and I said Amara can I just show you something I've done on Instagram I said this is your room and this was Zach's room I said and this is what your room should look like and I had to tidy it I said so Zach is going to get a treat tonight but I'm really sorry that you're not and I know how her mind works because now she's on it you know and I said and she's been shamed on social media and she's been shamed on social media and I said and by the way because she's actually quite a bit of a hit on my social media people really love her I said and some of my followers so I make them part of it rather than making it this big weird yeah it's all you know do they mind that I ask them their permission I say do you mind if I film you and they they do I do ask their permission and Zach's getting to that age where he's like no I really don't want to be on it now because some of my friends parents follow you and they think you're a weirdo (laughs) (laughs) and they like going why were you in your funny pajamas I don't and I and I just think okay fair enough I understand that but you know and she said oh right yeah yeah so this morning she I haven't been up to her room yet but I know that she's done it because she keeps saying when are you going to go into my room mummy and tell your followers that I've actually done my room today so you know it works you just have to know but you know what's really funny is that I put that up on social media and somebody put, yeah, well, I think I prefer your daughter's um, bedroom, you know, being the state it's in because the other one shows how anal you are. <laughs> and I just thought, and that's what I've always had. You know, when you're trying to be the best that you can, other people always want, because they, it shows something in them. You just think. But you know what? Your face just said it all, that kind of, oh. Yeah, it does. It, it's just, it's just like, spurs you on. Well, you know, and so many other people were so inspired going, oh, I wish I could get my kids to do that. What are your tricks, Syrah? This is brilliant. You know, and it is, it's, I found in life, you now need to make a choice. Are you that person or are you that person? And if you're that person, you have to follow that crowd. And the other people, are, you're never going to like get them to like you understand you accept you so you just park it mm-hmm. and you know that's, that's been your there's tribes aren't they <laughs> you've got your tribes i know what my tribe is my tribe's pretty positive <laughs> well it's worked it really has <laughs> and, and what's next for you have you got any anything else exciting coming up i mean you're pretty busy at the moment yeah you're talking about you're going to do a massive health kick Yes, yeah. I'm doing a bit of a body transformation, um, and like some of your listeners begin, oh my goodness, it sounds like a nightmare. Um, I'm only doing it because I'm 50. I'm going through the menopause, and you, my body's really changing. I just find, oh well, hold on a minute, I'm eating healthy, but why have I still got this big tire? I'm getting tired. Yeah. I don't, I can't eat the same things as I used to. They're having different effects. I'm very aware of osteoporosis. So what do I need to be doing? Um, so I, I'm doing it, I think, for to help women understand that actually you do have to change as you get older the way that you eat and what you eat. And I don't think that that information is easily understandable or um, readily or, or actually portrayed in an honest way mm. you know i'm actually sick and tired of seeing women's bodies that are really perfect and great and you just think hold on a minute you're 20 years old you haven't had a child and you're not going through the menopause <laughs> but you're in red magazine aimed at 45 year olds uh, that's not right that's not, i'm never going to look like that i used to look like that 
But I, you know, and I think that's where there is still this oppression of women that we have to be this certain way. And it's about women actually gaining that confidence and going, no, you're wrong. This is me. I've just got to be fit and healthy and happy. Mm. And that's really important. And when you said, what's next for you? I just want to have a happy life. You know, I've had quite a hard life. <laughs> Bloody exhausting. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm exhausted <laughs> just listening to that, to be honest. <laughs> And I just want to have a happy life and just enjoy those moments with your children and the yeah. family that you've created. I think yeah. that's really important. And and get, do everything at 100 miles an hour, as, as always, I'm sure. Well, do you know what? The saying is, you're a long time dead. So, And this is the only life we're going to have. And yes, of course, I put my feet up every now and then. But I think trying to do as much as you can, it's what, it's, it's what spurs me on. Mm. And I just think... I want to be able... I know it won't be long before I think, oh, I'm not going to do the part run. The back's just telling me that's not, <laughs> not today, love. Go and do a bit of stretching. That, I'm not that far off that. But until then, I do want to look back and, and for my kids one day when I'm not here to sort of go, God, mum, mum did quite a lot of stuff, didn't she? Yeah. I would like to be talked about in a positive way <laughs> and have these, you know, photographs around where I'm in a... You know, got them my marathon medal round. And, you know, I did like a really... I did a bit of a sexy shoot for OK Magazine, oh, yeah, actually, which was that. which was quite, you know, oh my goodness. And I remember, I remember bringing the magazine home and sat, looked at it, and he went, "Oh, what, mummy, that's disgusting." <laughs> and I said, "What? Why is it disgusting? That it's just me, you know, showing off my body. I feel very proud at forty nine that I can still do this. You know, I've, I've never done it before, so I'm just celebrating my body." And he said, oh, yeah, okay. He said, but why did you feel like you just had to have a towel around you? I said, well, that was, that was just to make it look, you know, artistic and things. And then Steve, my husband, turned around to me and said, son, one day you'll have that picture up on your bookcase somewhere and somebody will say to you, well, who's that? And you'll say, that's my mum. I thought, yeah. yeah. Might not be around for that <laughs> moment, but I'm sure going sure gonna to make you, uh, you know. But at the moment, you can rely on your kids just for keeping it real, you know. just They keep it real. Yeah. And we do I, do, I do really respect their opinion because I respect children and the fact that they see the world in a very different way and in a very innocent way. Mm. Um, and sometimes, you know, when Steve and I might get a bit heated over something... Zach and Amara, did you come in and go, will you two just grow up, please? Can you stop shouting? Can you? And then you just think, oh, God, they, they bring you back to reality. Mm, mm. Um, and I'm so grateful for them because, you know, having them wasn't easy. I had, Zach was IVF, Amara was adopted. So I am grateful. I am an older mum. So it, they're a real blessing. Well, listen, it's been inspiring talking <laughs> to you and, and hearing all your brilliant stories. We sat here and you've had your wonderful tea in front of you and you haven't had a chance to drink. Oh no, that's fine. It's cooled down now, <laughs> it's, so it's, it's perfect. Be, it's freezing. Perfect. Sorry, thank you so much. Well, thank to you me. for asking me and yeah, thinking no that I was interesting enough for the interview. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Syra for talking to me. She's on Instagram at I am Syra Khan and we're on Twitter at Where Go Right. If you love hearing from other TV presenters, we've got Spencer Kelly, Al Murray, Chris Lintott and Adam Buxton on season one. Uh, you can listen on iTunes and Podbean and Spotify. You probably know that because you're listening on one of those at the moment. Uh, thank you to Megan for brilliantly producing this series and Laura Shipsey for the music. We'll see you very soon. This episode of Where Did It All Go Right is sponsored by Pearson. Pearson is the world's learning company, 
supporting talent and helping everyone to make progress in their lives through learning. Working with teachers and education experts, Pearson provides a wide range of qualification routes, so you can pick the course which suits you best to develop your creativity and stand out in the crowd. Visit them online at go.pearson.com forward slash where did it all go right.